Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 106, seven reasons I'm switching from audacity to audition for now and why you shouldn't. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is a how-to podcast about podcasting and using Audacity. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. And this episode is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting with HD Faces. More on that in a few minutes. Now, let me set something straight here. The title of this episode, or the title of this podcast as a whole, is The Audacity to Podcast. From the beginning, I never, ever intended this podcast to be only about audacity. I know a lot of people thought that when I first launched, and they tend to still think that from the title, but it's a play on words, and because I do still say I talk about audacity, and before you start thinking, oh no, now this is going to be the audition to podcast or something like that, don't worry. I'm not changing the title. I'm not changing the focus of the podcast. I'm not going to leave the Audacity people behind. If you're using Audacity, I know that's probably what attracted you to the Audacity to podcast is that you use Audacity. And I'm going to spoil this podcast a little bit by telling you, I'm going to still recommend you use Audacity. I am not going to suggest that you upgrade to Adobe Audition. I don't think you should, but uh, I am going to share with you why I'm switching from Audacity to Audition, at least for now, because this is a decision I've wrestled with for a while. And like I announced in last week's episode, I have laid down the line for myself, and I am forcing myself to use Audition instead of Audacity in order to give it a full, legitimate trial. So all of the podcast episodes I've been releasing for uh, last week's The Audacity Podcast, which oh took so long to put out because that was my first time actually trying Audition for more than just something tiny. Uh, That took a while because I kept running into a little glitch, actually, that's in Audition. But that was the first time I used it. And then the Ramen Noodle and Once Podcast episodes that have been released since uh, Thanksgiving have also, well, except for, yeah, since Thanksgiving, those have all been edited in Audition too. And I continue editing. And this episode is also being edited and processed in Adobe Audition. So I'm making this switch, forcing myself to use Audition, which has been hard because there have been a couple things where I've thought... I could do this so much faster in Audacity because I know how to do it in Audacity. I don't know how to do it in Audition. Why can't I just open up Audacity? But it's kind of like a drug addict where, uh, no, I'm not calling myself an Audacity addict, but it's where when you really want to conquer an addiction to something, you really have to remove that addiction completely, remove your access to it, starve that addiction, and it will go away. So that's what I'm having to do with myself. And it's a struggle because I, I know how to do things in Audacity. I don't know how to do them so much in Audition. So I've been looking up tutorials. I've been asking friends. Um, Mike Russell from Creative uh, Music Radio Creative.com has been helping me out on a couple things. And some other people have answered some questions. I know several other podcasters use Audition. But I'm going to share with you seven reasons, for, and this is my current list of reasons why I'm switching from Audacity to Audition, 
And then when I finish, I'll tell you why I don't think you should switch. And also, I've got a great podcasting tip from Max Flight that goes along very, very well with what I'll be talking about in this episode of the Audacity to Podcast. You'll be able to get the show notes in. I'll put some screenshots up there of Audition versus Audacity a little bit too over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 106. And here's one other thing that I'm going to do just in case you're interested in it. The regular episode that you're hearing, if you're subscribed to the podcast, is going to be edited from Adobe Audition and processed using the hard limit feature in Audition instead of a dynamic compressor or anything like that because they are so confusing the way that Audition is compared to what I've been used to in Audacity. But I'm also going to release the episode and post a link to it in the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106, where you can listen to this episode as I would normally have processed it from Audacity. So you can get a side-by-side comparison of the exact same episode in processed through Audition versus processed through Audacity, and I would love your feedback on that. Which way do you like better? I got one comment from someone that said, that they like the way I sound from Audition better. And that's not a thing to say that Audition is better. That's just to say that the particular process I'm running in Audition appeals to this person more than the process I'm running with Chris's dynamic compressor in Audacity. So I'd love to hear from you. If you could go back and to the show notes, listen to both, compare them side by side. Let me know which one you think is better. Let me know what stands out to you that's better. And I would love to know what you think overall of this conversation. So you'll be able to comment in the show notes as well as send me feedback. And I'll share that feedback information in a little bit. But before I move on to sharing my reasons for switching, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this week's episode of the Audacity to Podcast, GoToMeeting with HD Faces, brought to you by Citrix. Meeting in person is great because this is where you get to pick up on those subtle things, like the person is nodding in agreement at what you're saying, or then they get that little look in their face, like maybe a raised eyebrow or squinty eyes or or something that communicates that they're a little bit confused or maybe disagreeing or something like that. But those things are so simple and so subtle, but they help us communicate so much more effectively and get things done. But if you, your team of clients, colleagues, and coworkers are all over the world, which is common today, having these kinds of personal communications and subtle things that help a conversation flow so much better are impossible, but not impossible with GoToMeeting with HD Faces. This allows you to meet face-to-face with your clients, colleagues, and coworkers no matter where they are. It's super simple to use to set up, to participate in. You can even host a meeting now from your iPad and you get this great advantage of high quality HD video conferencing with all of your clients, colleagues, and coworkers. All they need is a computer, internet connection, and webcam, and you can go. But even if they don't have that, they can pick up the phone and join your online meeting through a phone call. It's all included. It's really easy to set up. I love it. It is super fantastic. So my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember to use the promo code PODCAST. And thank you, Citrix, for your support. Now, here are my seven reasons I'm switching from audition from Audacity to 
audition. Number one, and this isn't necessarily in a particular order or top 10 or anything like that, but number one, I already own Audition because it's included in Adobe Creative Cloud. Adobe Creative Cloud is a new approach to Adobe Creative software. Stuff like Photoshop, Premiere Pro, InDesign, Illustrator, Lightroom, After Effects. These are all programs that I use because my profession is web design and other design services. That's what I offer to clients and that's what many of my listeners hire me to do. And by the way, you can hire me too to design stuff for you. Websites, podcast cover art, uh, business cards, anything like that. And most of the time I'm working with Photoshop or InDesign and Illustrator. But now that I'm doing video work, I'm also using Premiere Pro and After Effects. So I'm subscribed to this thing called Adobe Creative Cloud, which is that I am leasing the Adobe software. I've com- I've signed a contract for a one-year agreement, and I'm upgrading so I get a special first-year discount. But after the discount, it's $50 a month, and I get unlimited access for that month for all of the Adobe Creative software. So everything that I use, I can get, and I get the latest versions. I get other services along with it that I love as a designer. I love all of these services. So I'm already paying for all of this stuff. And Adobe Audition is included inside of Creative Cloud. So it's essentially free to me or You could look at it from the perspective of, I'm already paying for Adobe Audition, so why not use it? So that's one reason I'm using it, because it is professional-level audio editing software. So if I'm already paying for it and already have it, why not use it, or at least give it a try? That is one of the reasons why I'm trying it, because I have it. My second reason is, I do think that Adobe Audition has some better multi-track editing capabilities. In general, I think it's pretty easy to work with, and it's really nice to be able to add special effects to tracks or sections without actually changing the audio, which is considered destructive editing. Basically, anything you can't go back and remove or change or adjust or hide long after you've done it is considered destructive. If it's changing the source audio or the actual audio, then it's a destructive edit. You can't go back later. So Audition allows me to add all of these effects and processing and things to my audio that doesn't change the actual audio. So much later on, I can go back and change those settings if I decide that, oh, this sounded great at the beginning, but it doesn't sound good right here. So let me change the setting and it will go through, change it, and I didn't lose anything and I don't have to do a whole bunch of undo steps and all of that. So that's great. But also, uh, just the the style of being able to move things around easily, easily select my audio from one section forward and all of this stuff, I'm liking the multi-track editing. And by the way, just for clarification, multi-track editing is editing anything more than one track. That might seem obvious, but where this comes into play would be like if you have your vocals on one track or maybe you record your podcast hosts as separate audio tracks with a software program like a Skype recorder or your hardware or anything like that so you've got your your voices on one or multiple tracks and then you've got music and sound effects and voicemails and bumpers and background music and anything else like that on separate tracks so that anytime you have more than one audio track it's multi-track editing if you are live mixing everything all together 
into a single stereo or mono track. That's really just single track editing. But you could also benefit in some ways from what uh, Adobe Audition offers in its multi-track editor. And I'm still learning some of these things. So I could be wrong on if something is exclusive to their multi-track editor and is available in their single editor. But in either case, I'm finding their multi-track workflow is pretty good, except for when it comes to exporting. I'm using Adobe Creative Cloud CS6 on OS X, and there's a really nasty bug that deep in the options, well, for one thing, I have to go deep to find the spot to be able to export my multi-track project as a single MP3 file or WAV file or whatever, but I have to manually change it to 16-bit the bit depth, that is, change it to 16-bit instead of letting it auto-detect the bit, which is 16-bit. That's the source of all of the files of the project itself. But unless I tell it to change to 16-bit, Audition will ignore the rest of my MP3 encoding settings and give me a 300 or no 192 kilobit per second stereo MP3 at 32-bit floating point. And that's completely not what I chose at all. But I found that if I change the bit depth to 16 manually, then it saves everything else. That's a really weird glitch that might only be on OS 10, might just be in CS6. But that's one thing. That's what took me hours to figure out last week to get the episode out. And that's why I launched last week's episode with incomplete show notes, uh, no picture, And I just wanted to get it out there because I was tired of working on it by the time I'd finally figured it out. That's a bug. You may not run into that. But in general, I'm liking the multi-track editing. So I think it is better than Audacity for multi-track editing. Third reason I'm switching, recording markers from my Zoom H4n. The Zoom H4n is really a fantastic recorder. And it, and I believe some of the other Zoom models of recorders and certainly other recorders out there, have this ability that they can place a marker inside your recording while you're recording. If you have the Zoom H4n, it's really easy to do this. All you do is, while you're recording, press the record button, and then it says marker placed, or it actually says mark one, or mark two, or mark three. So it places a marker in my audio recording, when I then drag that WAV file into Adobe Audition, it shows me that marker in my WAV file. So I think you're already getting the idea of how useful this is. Instead of my having to manually write down time codes for when there's a mess up or something I need to fix or remove or anything like that, I can just tap the button on my Zoom H4n because I'm recording directly into an external recorder with the Zoom H4n. So if I just tap that button, then it will place that marker and I can easily see those markers inside of Adobe Audition and I won't have to record times. I won't have to edit backwards either because the little marker there stays with its audio so I can edit however I want. I can easily see a quick overview of here's a spot I need to edit, here's a spot I need to edit, here's a spot I need to edit. I don't have to try and figure out as closely. And this is also great that I found with um, our Once Upon a Time podcast over at oncepodcast.com. When we first started out, our conversational dynamic between the four of us was a little bit rough. 
sometimes we would go on rabbit trails and I would also get a little anal about how much editing I wanted to do, like removing certain things that I thought weren't necessary or trying to get the episodes down to a shorter length. So there would often be things that I'd realize "Eh, that was kind of pointless conversation. I'm going to remove that. So I would write down on the piece of paper what it was that I needed to remove. And whenever I would write down on the paper, it would distract my co-hosts because they would realize, oh, we just said something we shouldn't have said. And so that, that would hinder the conversation. It would distract them from what's going on. They would start getting nervous, trying to think, oh, what I do wrong? What's he upset about? Anything like that. So tapping the little record button on my Zoom H4n is so much more convenient And it won't uh, distract them as much because I can just reach over, press the button, and they will never know that I pressed it. So that's a great low advantage that the Zoom H4n offers. And by the way, if you want to hear my top five reasons to use an external recorder for podcasting, go back to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 99 to hear my five reasons for external recorders. So I can place these audio markers and it makes it fantastically easy to find the places where I need to edit my audio inside of Audition. Audacity doesn't support that. Audacity, it's actually a thing in the WAV files that just Audacity does not quite read. But Audition can. So that's nice. I'm not sure quite how often I'll use that, but certainly makes it easier instead of having to oh, pause. Let me write down this time of something that we need to edit. And please give me some silence here so I can see it in the audio track better. And okay, let's go. Or something like that. Or when I write something down, it starts distracting people and they think, oh no, what I do, what I, what I say, what's going to get removed. I really wanted that. Anything like that. And Many times my little edits could be for whatever whatever reasons. So the recording markers from my Zoom H4n are great to be able to see and edit inside of Audition, which I couldn't do inside of Audacity. My fourth reason is quicker crossfades. Now, crossfades are, by the way, slightly different from a normal fade inside of Audacity. You might have noticed under the effects menu, you have fade in and fade out, and you also have crossfade in and crossfade out. The reason there are two different kinds of fades in and fades out is that a crossfade is a slightly different line of fading than just the actual fade. So one is more of a curve and one is more of a straight line. So a fade, using the crossfade effect on both tracks enables a smoother transition from one to the other, whereas the actual fade is not quite so smooth. So they offer this crossfade. But let me give you an idea of what it takes to make a crossfade in your audio. And this is where, uh, especially for editing music, If you want to be able to cut out a section of music, you don't want to hear that harsh cut point. You want it to sound like nothing was ever missing, like it's just a smooth transition. Same thing with sound effects or audio clips or anything like that. If there's background noise and you want it to sound like a smooth transition instead of that just or the, the, you know, it's not quite a click, but you hear the definite switch between what it was and then where you made the cut and then what you have after that. So you want a smooth crossfade 
Here's how you'd have to do that inside of Audacity. And it is possible, but here's the step. Number one, edit the audio or import your separate audio clips. Number two, move those two clips to separate tracks. Number three, overlap the clips by however long or the amount of crossfade that you want to occur, whether it's a second or three seconds or half a second or anything like that. Overlap them by that those two separate tracks or those two separate clips on those two separate tracks. Number four, select the overlaps length at the end of the first clip. So however long they're overlapping, select that, but you're only selecting the end of the first clip for that overlap length. Audacity will snap here, so you don't have to worry about trying to get it perfect. Perfect. Audacity will snap to uh, these overlaps, so it's a bit easier, but you still have to select that. Then you go to the effects menu and you choose crossfade out. Then select the overlaps length on the beginning of the second clip, just like you did on the end of the first clip, but now we're working on the second clip. Then go to the effects menu and choose crossfade in. Then hope you never have to change this crossfade or never accidentally misalign your audio after that. So you're crossfading out one, you're crossfading in the other. That's the process inside of Audacity, and you can't change this later if you mess something up or need to redo it. You'd have to just do it all over again if you needed to change it later. In Audition, at least in multitrack mode, I don't quite know yet if you can do this in single wave mode, but I know you can do it in multitrack mode. You edit your audio, so you make your split, you cut out what you need, or you import your separate audio clips. Move those two clips onto the same track and overlap them by the length of your desired crossfade. And that's it. And then you can move those things around anytime you want to change the length of the crossfade or you can remove the crossfade altogether. You can move those two items together and you won't lose your crossfade. It's a much easier process for quicker crossfades. And the reason this is important to me is in my Once Upon a Time podcast, I have uh, I play a lot of audio clips, quotations from the episodes. I play uh, some sound clips or here or there. And these always have this hard cut sound in them because in TV, silence is a lot easier than in radio or in audio. Because in a television show, you're seeing something. You see people's expressions before they speak. So if someone pauses for a moment, you get to see their facial expression and you can read something. There's more there. But in audio, it's a bit more awkward to just have that. And sometimes we just want to reduce our time, cut it down to the essentials, not have this uh, in-between conversation, but just cut it down to the essentials and parts. So when I would normally do that, it'd have these hard cuts, and I just didn't want to go through this really involved process and audacity to make these crossfades. But in audition, this is going to be a lot easier to make smooth crossfades, and it will sound wonderful because uh, I'm doing crossfades instead of hard cuts, and it will be so much easier for me to do inside of audacity, inside of audition. So quicker crossfades are my fourth reason. Fifth reason, simplified workflow. 
You may know if you've been listening for a while or maybe I've responded to an email that I recommend that you make your MP3s inside of iTunes instead of directly from Audacity. This was in episode 10 that I talked about this. So you can go back to the audacitypodcast.com slash 10 if you dare, dare listen to one of my really old episodes. And I explained that I was wrong about the fact that Audacity's VBR or variable bitrate MP3s were best for podcasting because variable bitrate is not good for a podcast because on a podcast, you really need to be concerned about compatibility more than quality. But the constant bitrate or CBR MP3s that Audacity makes are of lower quality, especially if you've got a high quality microphone or if you're trying to make a lower quality MP3 in order to download quickly or Uh, use up less space or anything like that. So Audacity's Lame Encoder is fantastic for music at variable bitrate, but it's terrible for podcasts at constant bitrate. iTunes uses the Fraunhofer MP3 encoder, which is great for constant bitrate audio, which is great for podcasts. So what I had previously recommended is a process very similar to this. Step one, export your Export your audio from Audacity to WAV format. Step two, import into Audacity. Step three, set up iTunes to make 64 kilobit constant bitrate MP3s or 128 kilobit per second stereo uh, CBR MP3s. And this is a one-time step. Once you set it up, you don't have to change it later. Then you convert your audio to MP3. Then you copy that MP3 from iTunes back to wherever you want it to be. Then you delete your leftover WAV files in iTunes and in your source directory because iTunes by default will copy your files when it imports it into its library. And then also delete the leftover MP3 file that's still in the iTunes uh, music catalog that you have or the iTunes library. So that really involved seven-step process there just to make your MP3 files. I actually added a couple more steps to this for my own processing sake. Because I release podcasts in mono format, I discovered that making mono files with iTunes was actually much faster than Audacity's uh, conversion from stereo to mono. So I would add an extra step of importing the waves into iTunes to make my mono WAV files, then ex- and then copying those WAV files back out of iTunes, bringing it into Audacity, then continuing the whole process there. Very involved, a lot of steps, very complicated. Load this program, close this program, copy this, move this, do that, delete that, all of that stuff. Yeah, very involved. And for the first time ever recently, it made me lose a podcast recording that I had to record. It was actually the Audacity to Podcast a couple episodes ago. I think it was my 104th episode. Um, I'd actually lost the recording because of this workflow that I just wasn't paying close attention. I was a little distracted by something and I clicked on the wrong icon and ended up losing my recordings completely. So I just had to start over and uh, re-record that episode. But I think I got a better episode from it anyway. So now, though, Audition uses the Fraunhofer MP3 encoder, which is the same as iTunes uses, which is much better at creating constant bitrate MP3 files, which are much better and much more compatible for podcasts. So 
This means that I can now create exactly the MP3 format I want from Audition instead of having to export WAV and import it into Audacity or into iTunes, make my conversions, all of this stuff. I've removed so many steps from that process that now I can just export my MP3 and I'm finished with the conversion. That's it. I don't have to add all of these things. So I've dropped several steps from my conversion workflow alone and that will save time. Now, the thing about the mono and stereo things too, that also saves time because when I start a multi-track project and I import some WAV files into Audition, then I convert those stereo WAV files that are recorded from my Zoom H4n, so my raw recordings of my audio. When I convert those to mono inside of Audition, it gives me the opportunity to save them and it can save over my stereo files, which I'm perfectly fine with because I'm not losing anything at all going from stereo to mono. I just want to cut down on the space because each episode of the Audacity podcast ends up being maybe 600 megabytes in two stereo wave files. So if I can cut that in half, that's nice. It makes it easier to manage, easier to upload to Amazon Glacier, my archive source, which I'll talk about that some other episode. But so now Audition converts the files to mono for me when I save. I don't have to re-import them into my project. It just updates the project. It saves the WAV files for me. I can leave iTunes completely out of this mix. I don't have to go back and forth between programs or files or move things around. I do it all within one program except for ID3 tagging. I still need to use ID3 editor for that, which I'm fine with because ID3 editor, I think, is does that one thing very, very well for tagging. Or if you're on Windows, you can also use ID3 editor from PA software, or you can get the free program MP3 tag from mp3tag.de slash en, although it probably reverts to the English version anyway when you go there. So that's my fifth reason, simplified workflow in even just the exporting for my MP3s, but so many other things that workflow seems a bit more simplified in Audition because it's a bit better designed. So it does save me time on these things or brain cells. My sixth reason for switching are smaller project sizes. And this does actually matter. You might think in a day of massive hard drive space and broadband internet and all of this stuff, the project size doesn't really matter. Well, I think it does because I, like I said, I upload to Amazon Glacier, which is one-tenth of the cost of Amazon S3 for long-term backups. So this is stuff that I am most likely not going to need to re-download anytime soon And if I do need to re-download it, it's probably not going to be an urgent need. So I have multiple levels of backups, and I'll talk about backups in a future episode. But Amazon Glacier charges based on how many gigabytes I use. So if I can cut a project, a zip file of a project in half, that means it's going to cost me half of what it would have to be able to archive that project. And using Audition actually allows me to cut my project folders to one-third of what they were when I use Audacity. This has a little bit to do with my workflow in Audacity, and yours may be different, but here's basically what I do with workflow that in Audacity that makes my projects so big. So I get my 
raw recordings from my Zoom H4n. I have two stereo tracks, which I flatten down to mono. That's what goes into my project folder. So two mono tracks, one is my voice, one is the sound effects, co-hosts, audio, sound clips, anything like that. Anything other than an in-studio voice is recorded on that separate track. So I have two uncompressed WAV files. When I bring those into Audacity, Audacity will, by default, link to them. So that means that it's looking at those WAV files. So if I move those WAV files, it loses the audio. So it's just linking to them instead of copying or embedding the audio into the Audacity project. It first links to them. But if I do any kind of destructive editing inside of Audacity, and I mean like destructive processing, like Chris's dynamic compressor, or a normalization, or echo, or reverb, or anything like that, amplification, anything that actually changes how the waveform looks on the screen, Audacity will then import the entire audio track into an Audacity project, and it does it at a much larger size, almost double the size of an uncompressed wave. That, that blows my mind. Why is it double the size of an uncompressed wave? I have no idea why. So my Audacity projects end up having the wave files plus something that's twice the size of the wave files, the actual Audacity project, because I would run normalization on my uh, soundtrack and then I would run Chris's dynamic compressor on my voice track. Both of those are destructive processing. So what I would actually do with Audacity to try and make my projects smaller, you're going to laugh at this probably, I would go in and I would edit out large chunks of silence, like actually split delete them so they'd be removed from the project entirely. For a podcast like the Audacity podcast where I don't play many sound effects, that's very easy. It's pretty much select right after the opening music ends and select right before the closing music begins and then split delete, completely delete everything that's in between there. So it doesn't change the alignment of my sounds or anything like that, but it removes that silence, which still takes up space. It removes that silence from the project. I would do that for everything. Even my podcasts that have more sound clips, like One's Podcast or The Ramen Noodle, I would go through, select those large portions of silence, and completely remove them from the project just to try and get the project size down a bit. And that would work. Sometimes I could shave off about a quarter of the project size for that. So that's Audacity. In Audition, it's a bit different. So first of all, in Audition, I don't have to do destructive editing on my tracks or clips because Audition has these nice, they're kind of like extra layers that you add over your audio so that I can add certain effects without having to destructively process my audio. One of those is what I'm using instead of Chris's dynamic compressor, what I've chosen to use inside of Audacity is just a hard limiter. And that is where it amplifies my volume up, but then if I exceed a certain volume, it will cut that down a little bit. So that's fine for me because I'm already using a hardware compressor limiter gate. So that's handling my compression on the hardware side that goes into the raw recording. So I really don't need to be compressing my audio twice like I was with Chris's dynamic compressor. So the hard limiter on in, Audace, in Audition is uh, very easy to use, few options. Their compressor options, I 
haven't liked the results I've gotten so far. I'm certainly not going to use multiband compressor. I do not like uh, the results that I hear from most um, podcasts that use multiband compression. I think it just sounds a bit too bassy and really literally does give me a headache. And I'm using literally in the literal sense. I get headaches when I wear headphones or earbuds and I listen to some podcasts where they use a multiband compressor with certain recipe there that is basically a bass boost. I do get a headache. So I, I try not to listen to those through headphones. But so in audition, that was a little rabbit trail, but in audition, I can apply these effects and they play live when I preview my audio inside of audition. So I get to hear what the effect sounds like and then they are mixed and my audio is processed when I create the MP3 file instead of when I apply the effect. Now I can permanently bake that effect onto my audio track, but my point is that through this whole process, Audition is still simply linking to my external wave files. It's not copying them into Audition. It's not embedding them. It's not doing any kind of destructive editing. It's certainly not doubling their size inside of the Audition project. So my Audition projects end up being a, it's an SESX file from my multi-track editor and then my couple wave files and anything else I've included with my project. That's my project folder then. Not these separate data folders that Audacity creates that are often two times the size of the original uncompressed audio. So this means my project folders are one third of the size of what they were when I was doing something very similar in Audacity. Now this won't be the same for you, probably won't be, but this is one of my reasons. You might not have that same workflow You might be fine with how your uncompressed audio sounds inside of Audacity, or maybe you do run Chris's dynamic compressor, but you don't save your raw wave recordings. I do recommend that you do, though, in case the compressor ever does something bad and you need to go back, and you'd have to redo everything all over again, (laughs) which is another little prop there to Audition that you can make those kinds of changes without having to redo things. But that's my sixth reason, smaller project sizes, at least for my workflow. And then my seventh and final reason for now is that Audition integrates really nicely with Adobe Premiere Pro. That is Adobe's video editing editing software. And now I have a Canon T4i digital SLR camera. It's a still camera, but it does beautiful videos. If you've seen any of the recent videos that I've released on the Audacity podcast or my other podcast, then you've seen the quality of this camera, and especially in my more recent episodes or recent releases where I've gotten the lighting a bit better. You can see how sharp the video is. Like if you look at it in YouTube and choose the 1080p option, you see how crisp it is and the colors are great lighting and all of this. Well, that's with the Canon T4i. It's a still camera, but it does fantastic digital video at HD quality, 1080p at 30 frames per second. I love it. So I use Adobe Premiere Pro most of the time to edit that, and occasionally I might use After Effects for some special effects here or there. But Audition integrates really almost seamlessly with these two apps. In fact, some of the same filters and effects that Audition offers I can apply directly to audio inside of Adobe Premiere Pro or After Effects. So some of my presets can even be carried over between Audition and 
the other programs. So that means I don't have to export my audio, edit it in the separate program, then re-import it into Premiere Pro. Although Premiere Pro and After Effects do offer that option that I can export and then re-import. But it handles that all very nicely because they're very integrated with each other. So I really love that integration. That, that, that is my seventh reason. So one more time, my reasons for switching to Adobe Audition are, well, one, it's included in Creative Cloud, which I already own. Two, better multi-track editing. Three, it has the recording markers from my Zoom H4n. Four, quicker crossfades. Five, simplified workflow. Six, smaller project sizes. And seven, it integrates with Adobe Premiere Pro and Adobe's other apps. So those are my seven reasons why I'm switching from audition from audacity to audition. I'm surprised I haven't mixed that up more times in this podcast. If you've switched from audacity to audition, why? I'd love to hear your reasons. I'd love to hear if you're still on audacity and you're thinking about switching, what do you think of my reasons? What do you think of all of this? And like I said, I'm not going to abandon audacity, certainly not for the podcast. I'm still going to feature audacity because that's what I recommend you use. And I'll tell you why you shouldn't switch to Audition. If you're thinking about it, I'll give you several reasons why you shouldn't switch. But before I do, I want to mention that New Media Expo is coming up. And this will be an amazing conference for podcasters, bloggers, and web TV people. I'd love to see you there. I won't be presenting. I might be doing at least one, maybe two podcasts live from the podcast pavilion at New Media Expo. But get your tickets today. I think the last coupons are gone, but there's still time to register. You can go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash NMX for New Media Expo or just theaudacitypodcast.com slash New Media Expo. I'll make sure that link works as well. And that will take you to the registration form. And if you register through that link, that's my affiliate link. So I will get some support back from that if you decide to go. So I'd love to see you there and the podcast awards will be there. And also I will be at CES right after a new media expo, helping to cover the consumer electronics show from a podcaster's perspective and home media producer's perspective with the tech podcast network. It's a podcaster's network that I'm really proud to be associated with Todd Cochran of Blueberry Raw Voice and tech podcast will be there and I'll be working with him and the rest of the team. It will be a blast. So watch the website, watch techpodcast.com as well as tpn.tv as we release those updates. And I hope to see you at New Media Expo. Once again, that's theaudacitypodcast.com slash newmediaexpo, or I've got these links in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106. Now I have just basically four reasons why I think you shouldn't switch from Audacity to Audition or from Audacity to something else very expensive like a soundtrack from ProLogic or something like that. That's a lot of money. Well, that's number one reason. It's expensive. Adobe Audition is $349 if you buy it outright. Now, there are other options that Adobe now offers. Like you can subscribe and lease Adobe Audition, just like I'm doing with the full creative suite. You can do that with just Adobe Audition for $19.99 or $20 per month if you sign an annual contract. That works out to be about $240 per year. There is tax on that, by the way, in case you were wondering. At least I pay tax from Kentucky. Or 
If you don't want to sign a contract, if you only need audition for one project, you can lease it for only $29 or $29.99 per month, $30, with no contract. So if you just need it for a one-off project, that's a great solution for you there that you can get this professional audio software for just one month for only $30 for that month. That's fantastic if you don't plan to use it a lot more than that. Or you can subscribe to the Creative Cloud program, which is either $30 a month, $50 a month, or $80 a month, depending on your contract and your eligibility and certain other factors there, discounts and such. So basically, though, it's expensive. Whatever option you choose, it's going to cost quite a bit. Is your podcast worth that? Is it really going to present you with that many options that you don't already have in Audacity, which is completely free? And there are many other audio editing programs out there that are under $100, $50, $70, different programs out there. And I'd love to hear from you which programs you think uh, you like. I'd like to create a poll about what program you use. Uh, I'll have a poll over on the website and I might miss something. So if I miss a program from that list, please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106 and let me know what I missed and I'll add that to the poll. And you can vote for what app you use for your podcast editing. So unless it really provides, unless Audition really provides something that will save you hours and hours or insanity or save you from going insane, then the price is probably too high for you and most other podcasters. So that's like really number one reason. It's expensive. Number two, it won't improve your audio quality. Now you may be listening to this and you may go back to the audacity to podcast.com slash 106 and compare my Chris's Dynamic Compressor Audacity version of this episode to this, my Audition episode version of the episode, and you may decide, wow, the Audition version sounds better. That is not because of Audition. That's because I'm doing something differently in Audition. I could probably go back to Audacity and do it the exact same way, exact same effect that I'm getting in Audition. So if you perceive some improved audio quality in the audition version of this episode, and again, the Audacity version will not download automatically if you're subscribed to the podcast, you have to go to the show notes in order to listen to that. But if you do notice a difference, it's not because of audition. It's because I'm just using a different tool or a different filter or a different effect, and I'm using it differently but I could get the same kind of quality out of Audacity as well. So Audition most likely will not improve your audio quality. The quality really depends on your knowledge of the tool and what hardware you have recording your audio. Number three, Audition may not save you any time. Your workflow is most likely different from my own workflow. And I've described things that you're probably thinking, man, that must be torture. I just drag my project into Audacity and make a couple edits and save as MP3. Why is he going through all of these steps? Well, I go through the steps because I want a really high quality file. And I have certain other reasons, time-saving reasons and other things. I just don't like clicking much or stuff like that. But if you don't go through a whole involved process like that, then... Upgrading to Audition 
probably probably isn't going to save you any time, especially if you consider that for a while it'll take you time to figure out what you're doing in audition like it took me last week hours to figure out what I was doing just to export an mp3 the way I wanted it to so it may not save you any time in some cases getting audition for your podcast could be like renting a giant bus just to transport one person audition is great software yes but it has so many more bells and whistles than most podcasters probably need Most podcasters really only need basic cut, copy, and paste features and maybe some basic audio adjustments. And Audacity and many other programs that are under $100 provide that fine. And they won't take more time to use often. Audition does it too at a much higher price and may not save you any time in that workflow. But it depends on your workflow again. And the fourth reason why you shouldn't switch to Audition is is if you have the extra money to buy Adobe Audition, invest it somewhere else. Because there are so many other things that are worth the money. If you've got $350 lying around to spend on your podcast, I can recommend a bunch of other things that you could invest in that you'd get actually better results or remove bigger annoyances than just upgrading your audio editing software. For example, you could buy a better mic or maybe several better mics for $350. You could buy seven uh, ATR2100 mics from Audio-Technica through Amazon. A great microphone. You could buy seven of those for $350. Or you could buy a high LPR40 and some accessories to go with it. Or you could buy a mixer if you don't already have one. You could upgrade your mixer. By the way, I still have a Behringer x1832 usb mixer it's an extra one that i've required that if you'd be interested in it let me know because i want to sell it Uh, that's why i have it is just to sell it so it's an extra one it's in its box and like new condition let me know if you're interested in that email me feedback at the audacity podcast.com but you could upgrade to something like that a bigger mixer Uh, retail price on that mixer is 299 dollars you can get for about 250 online That's less than $350. Maybe there are some premium WordPress plugins that will make your blog or your website much better to use for you and your um, visitors. That's a much better way to spend your money. Maybe you need better headphones so you can hear yourself better or hear the problems that are in your audio better. Maybe you want a silent mic stand or an improved mic stand that's not always drooping down and you feel like you're the hunchback of Notre Dame at the end of your podcast episode. Maybe you want a shock mount, so if you bump your desk, you're not making noise through your microphone. Maybe you need new cables or pop filters, or you want a higher quality webcam or a camera period to do video or any number of other things. You could spend $350 or less on these things and improve your podcast quality better than buying Adobe Audition. Now, if you've upgraded all of those other things then yeah, then you could upgrade your audio software if you really need it. But I would really say audio editing software is probably the last place that you should ever spend money in your podcast. If you're really tempted to spend money, how about sending a donation to the guys that program program Audacity and support what they're doing and you might feel like, I've paid for this program, I'm going to own it now. Or if you really, really want something fancier or easier to use than Audacity, 
there are plenty of options that are under $100. And I'd love to hear from you what those options are. You can comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106. And incidentally, I've got a an upcoming episode that I'm going to talk about podcasting stuff that's worth the money. Because there are so many things we could spend money on, but what's actually worth it? Whether it be hardware or software, WordPress plugins, uh, anything like that, I would love to hear from you. What do you think is worth the money to spend in podcasting that improves your quality or just gives you a better experience, your listeners or your viewers a better experience? Tell me what your favorite things are that you've spent money for, for your podcast. What is worth the money in podcasting? So you can email feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. And you can also go to theaudacitypodcast.com and record a a voice message right from your computer through the website. And I would love to include those ideas in the upcoming episode. It will probably be in a couple of weeks that I'll record that episode, or it might be after New Media Expo and CES, but we'll see how that fits in. I'd love to have your feedback as part of that, and you can get that feedback information again at the website as well. Now for the podcasting tip that goes right along very well with what I've covered here. This podcasting tip is brought to you by Max Flight, and I included this in the 100th episode, so you can hear those 100 podcasting tips over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 100. But here is Max Flight's tip that I think fits in very well with this episode of the Audacity to Podcast. A tip from Max Flight? Don't assume that all the best gear means that you'll have the best podcast. If you have limited funds, focus on the essentials, but really devote your energy to audio quality and episode content. Fantastic tip, Max. And that's what this comes to. Instead of thinking, yeah, I can improve my podcast, I'll get more subscribers, all of this by upgrading to Audacity, or maybe even upgrading your hardware, make great content first. Have amazing content. Do well with the quality or with the hardware that you have. Learn how to use it. And later, when you've got that down, then you can upgrade because Yeah, best gear doesn't mean best podcast. You can have fantastic gear and have a terrible podcast. Trust me, I've listened to some where they sound amazing, but their content or their presentation, their delivery of their content was terrible. So I didn't stay subscribed to them. But there are some other podcasts I listen to where their content is pretty good, but their audio quality isn't quite as good. So get good quality out of what you have. Thank you so much, Max, for that tip. And he's from the Airplane Geeks podcast, as well as Podcasting Passion, which has been on a bit of a hiatus lately. I'm not sure if he's podfaded that one, but you can find links to both of his shows in the show notes for this episode over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106. So please let me know what you'd like to hear me answer in upcoming episodes of the Audacity to Podcast. You can go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash 106 and comment on the show notes, or you can send me your feedback directly to feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call in to 903-231-2221, or you can also 
go to theaudacitypodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab over on the right side and record a message right from your computer. Please follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle, and let me think about uh, let me know what you think about this episode, and leave some ratings and reviews in iTunes if you enjoy it, and it helps other people, and it really encourages me too. You can jump to the iTunes listing for the podcast over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes, and if you're not subscribed, subscribe in whatever program you use to receive these episodes automatically. And join me live when I record this podcast on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's GMT minus 5 while we're in standard time over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live. Now that ch- schedule may change a little bit around Christmas time and New Year's and the first week of January. But generally, that's the schedule for the Audacity to Podcast. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus 5 at theaudacitypodcast.com dot com slash live i'd love to see you there and hang out with me in the chat room and the others who are listening as well now that i've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools or why not to use one of the tools it's time for you to go podcast with passion organization and dialogue i'm daniel j lewis thank you so much for listening The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Like we have a Once Upon a Time podcast, a podcast that'll make you laugh, our clean comedy, and a productivity podcast with Eric Fisher, and more, including a cool review of the movie 2012, Before the World Ends. Well, it's probably not going to, but you can get all of that and more at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcast.com and watch for our upcoming CES coverage live from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas in January 2013 at tpn.tv. But check out all the other tech podcasts over at techpodcast.com.